talking about prayer today, and a movie came to mind, and it's not a movie about prayer. In fact, it is a somewhat of a scary movie, uh, a suspenseful movie called Signs. It's one of my favorites. Um, it, it's one, actually, I would recommend to everyone if you've never seen it. If you at all like suspenseful movies, it's not a horror flick. But, um, but anyways, it is about these crop signs that you find in a field. A crop farmer, um, Graham Hess, uh, played by Mel Gibson, has these signs, and he's trying to figure it out. And as the story unfolds, it turns out aliens are invading. And so Graham, uh, you kind of learn his, his, the background is that he used to be a pastor or an Episcopal priest specifically. And at one point when everything looks serious and, you know, his kids are there and they want him to pray and his brother says, why don't you pray like you used to? You know, this is, they don't know what's going to happen next. And at that point, um, we find out some, uh, Mel Gibson says, I will not waste one more minute of my life on prayer. Not one more minute. Understood? He had seen a tragedy that had him lost his faith and he no longer believed that prayer mattered. Now, as the movie plays out, I can tell you he gives prayer one more chance. So, um, it's worth watching. But that's, what kind of leads me to this question is, is, how easy is it to pray? Do you find prayer easy and natural? Um, I know I've heard people say, well, it's just as simple as, you know, you just talk to God. It's easy. And for many, it is, I think, natural. I'll be honest. I've often struggled with prayer in my life. It doesn't always feel all that easy. Now, saying that, I'll say I have had some great times of prayer in my life. Incredible times where I felt close to God. Uh, times where I got clear direction through prayer, and even one or two where I feel like God answered by in a miraculous way. Um, but other times, it feels like prayer is more like wrestling with God. I think of Jacob who wrestled with the angel of the Lord through the night, and God renamed him Israel, one who wrestles with God. And I think there's an aspect of prayer that we are wrestling with God, and it feels like that. My main point I want to get across today is prayer may not be easy, but first of all, it's essential for knowing God. And even more, it is worth learning how to do it. It's worth learning to, to pray and develop this, this closeness with God, and that's what God wants for each of us. The disciples of Jesus, they saw him praying, and they saw how he had, he'd get alone, and even he'd pray all night long, or he'd, sometimes they'd have to go looking for him because he got up so early and was finding a place to pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray like that. We need to know what you know. And so that's what we're going to look at today. What did Jesus teach them? Um, what was his goal? How was he teaching them? What did he teach specifically about prayer? So, so in, when Jesus asked that, that was Luke 11, and then he followed up by giving a version of the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at Matthew's version because it's a little more expanded. Um, 
And, and so, so we're, we're going to talk, you know, kind of go through the Lord's Prayer, not just as a thing we recite, but as what, what, what is, is Jesus teaching us about what prayer means? Now, just a side note, I've often, um, people ask, why are there so many different versions of the Lord's Prayer? You got um, debts, which all good Christians do, like us. You know, those heretics that use trespasses. You know, it's okay. So you got debts, trespasses, and I've even been in a church that, that sins. And there's reasons for all three, because all three are said in Luke. Uh, he says, forgive us our sins. In Matthew, it says, forgive us our debts. But later, it says, forgive us our trespasses. So it doesn't matter. But uh, that's why three different versions sometimes come up. But it's interesting. Sometimes they'll include the Lord's Prayer in the funeral. And I've learned when you do it, if you have people from different backgrounds, you got to pause. Because, you know, you say debts pretty quick. But, but those trespassers, you got to give them time to get their whole little phrase out. And so, anyways. Um, but what, what did Jesus teach about prayer? So that's what we're going to... We're going to not kind of... I'm going to try to set aside the other teaching in the letters and the later parts of the Bible or the Old Testament. I want to think, what, what was Jesus focused on? So we'll do the passage we read and then some other key verses where Jesus talks about it. So... Back to our main text, verse 5. First thing about prayer is don't use prayer to try to impress others. Jesus said, don't be like the religious leaders you see who go out and they pray these long prayers in public. Why are they doing that? They want to be seen. They want to, be, they want to somehow impress others with their piety. Now, their society was such that being seen praying, I guess, was a good thing and that would be honored. I don't know if we have that problem as much. We're more like we're more like more like to be embarrassed to be seen praying in public nowadays with the way our, our culture is. But but however you go, don't try to use prayer to give a message to somebody else. Praying is about talking to God. Um, so, so focus on him. And Jesus in other places, you know, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Remember, you can honor God with your, your, your prayer or your speech, but if your heart is not being drawn to him, it's not, it's not pleasing to God. Second principle from verse 6. Um, prayer is an opportunity to get alone and seek God. Um, Jesus said, instead of praying where everyone can see you, find a secret place. You know, find a, you know, go into your closet, wherever it takes for you to get alone with God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Does that mean God wants us to work really hard before he wants to talk to us? No, it's because our heart gets in the way. And, and, and in order to really connect with God, there's a lot of things sometimes we gotta we gotta get get out of the noise all around us. Sometimes we gotta get away from the noise in our head, and certainly we gotta get away from the noise in our pocket with our cell phone. So you need to find a place where you can get away from distractions and focus on seeking God. If you want, 
if you want what God has for you, that's when you'll experience the reward that God is offering. Another principle comes in verses 7 and 8. And it's simply this. God is not concerned if we get the wording just right when we pray. You don't need to try to pray with many words. The truth is, God already knows what you need before you ask him. He does what you ask, but he already knows. So don't worry if you don't have the, the perfect wording. Don't kind of go back. Don't try to impress people with how how nicely you pray and, and all that. I, I've encountered people who say, well, I don't pray because I don't know what to say. Or they'll say, I don't pray because I don't want to look stupid or I'll do it wrong. Um, God wants you to come and pray. And he's not worried if your words don't work perfectly. He, he can sort through it and, and figure it out. I've tried this with a few different groups when we're doing small group praying. And that is putting your prayer in one sentence. Because you know what happens. You start praying and your mouth just keeps going even though you have nothing new to say. Especially when you're with other like, and you end up having these long prayers and you said really very little. And I think the discipline of saying, okay, what's the one thing I really want God to do? Or what's the one thing I want to praise God for? And so you tend to put, so that discipline helps you put your prayer in one single sentence. Now, of course, I know people who then use that time and do run-on sentences that keep going on and on and on. Um, that's missing the point. Um, but anyways, so God knows the wording before we say it. Um, another principle. How and it, it, this is, I put this in a question. How important is it to know who we're praying to? Right? Who? Who are we praying to? Is that, 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 that vital? I don't know if you sometimes hear movies. It's like, well, it doesn't matter what you believe. Just pray. And I'm like, I don't, that's not right. When Jesus says, when you pray, pray to your Father who is in heaven. So one of the key things he wants to start with when he gives us this example prayer is make sure you're praying to your Father. Know who you're praying to. Um, it's that relational aspect of prayer that's, that's part of it. Um, yeah, so I think even sometimes setting the relationship, if you don't know where to start in prayer, just start with there. God, you're my Father. You, I, I am your son. You know, just start uh, talking about that relationship with God. Make sure you know you're connected with him and that he has called you his son or daughter. Um, that's oftentimes the best place to start in prayer. The other place to start in prayer is by honoring God for his nature and character. So Jesus says, you know, when you pray, pray to your father who is in heaven Hallowed be thy name. I wish we would say that in normal words. It's one of those hallowed. Do, 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 is there anywhere other than the Lord's Prayer we use the word hallowed? I don't know if most people know what it is. You know, it's Halloween. What's up? You know, it's just another word made holy. It's holy turned into a verb. That's what hallowed means. So it's another word saying, let your name be made holy. 
and praying it is recognizing God is our Father, and he's good, and he loves us. He's also the holy, immortal, invisible, God-only-wise, enlightening, accessible. He's far beyond what I can ask or imagine. So I have this privilege of approaching this unbelievably powerful and majestic God and call him my Father. Let's not forget that. That's what we do in prayer. We're like, well, I don't know if I have time to talk to God. Like, what privilege we have. And, and we, we set that aside because, well, we have to scroll through Facebook for half an hour instead. Or whatever we, whatever distractions we get caught up doing. I have mine. You have yours. Um, so start by honoring God. Verse, verse 10. Just continue these principles I think Jesus gives. In prayer, we align our life with his will and his kingdom plan. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God already rules perfectly in heaven. He is bringing his kingdom to earth through his people. Um, I think it's so easy to pray in prayer that we just come with our list. Right? Here's the things we want, God. But Jesus, at the very beginning, you know, I honor God, and now pray about what God wants to, to pray about. Not just the things you want to talk about in prayer. Think about it. Who, who, who should get to choose the topic of conversation when you talk with God? You or him? Ever talk with someone who every time you get together with them, all they talk about is all the things that are going wrong in their life? Is that you with God? Sometimes it's me with God. Um, now, I want to qualify that. Because having said that, I realize that could be conveying, well, then maybe I shouldn't bring my problems to God. Let me go to a different verse. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus said to the crowds, to the people, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus was very clear. He invited people to bring their problems to him. He invited. He welcomed people who were hurting and the poor and the needy. We do not have to get our life together before we bring what we know of ourselves to what we know of our Lord. We come as we are, and he can respond and will respond and hear our prayer. I love that verse when it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so we can bring our brokenness to God. And if that's all we can do, if we're coming and right now we can't think about his kingdom, we can't think about praise of God, we're just coming to him as a mess. God our Father is gracious. And he will hear the, the brokenhearted one. Um, so come. However you come, Jesus would say come. Continue on. Um, verse, uh, verse 11. In prayer, we sort out between what we need and what we could live without. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us the bread we need for today. And so prayer is a time, and I know we, we might come with all sorts of things we want to do, but in prayer, sometimes it's, can I live without this? Can 
as we pray about it, we're allowed to ask. We can ask for um, a, a Porsche, you know, or, you know, whatever, a million dollars. We can ask. But as we pray, what will God lead us to think? Can you live without that? You know, would you trust me if I say no to that request? I think prayer is part of that dialogue with God. So even this mission trip, I, I had a vision of doing something like this back in the fall. And I was just ready to sort of try to um, get it going. And then the COVID numbers spiked. Like, oh, no, no one's going to sign up for this trip, you know, because we're all worried about this. So I waited, and when they came down, I, 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 I was just about ready to take another shot at, at doing this, and then Russia invaded Ukraine. And I'm like, oh. So I remember saying, like, Lord, I, I feel led to, to, to promote this trip and to try to pull it off, and but it is in your hands. If it doesn't happen, it's okay. And I remember that prayer. And truthfully, at one point, it was just me and Danny. And I was inspired to say, all right, forget it. And then Heather, that almost almost right before I decided to just cash it in, Heather and Joy Lynn signed on. And then and then we got a few others. So God answers. Um, there you go. Um, so in prayer, we sort through what we need and what we can live without. Verse 12. In prayer... The Spirit will turn our minds towards the brokenness in our relationships. God wants to bring healing and peace, not just between us and Him, but between us and the people around us. So He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In prayer, God's going to raise some of your issues, some of the brokenness in your life, Maybe, Maybe some of the anger you have towards others. Maybe the hurts you have. Um, when you pray, God's Spirit, He knows what's you inside and out. And so He's going to lead you to think about these. Sometimes these are the things we try not to think about. We have this underlying anger and anxiety we walk in, and we try to shut out these, these things that are going on inside. I think, I think prayer, prayer opens the door. And so we got to open our heart to wherever God would lead us in that. Sometimes when I pray, I will recall conversations and think, oh man, I should not have said it that way. Now I got to go apologize for what I said. Um, we have to be willing to own up to our failings, forgive us our debts. And he's going to lead us to, to, to seek peace as we forgive our debtors with others. Verse 13. We need the Lord's strength and protection in the trials we face in life and death. I know how Jesus ends. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the word in that in Greek is evil is panera. It could mean evil or the evil one. You know, the guy has an enemy who wants to, to take us down. And, and we do not have the strength to, to get past him on our own. We need his strength. But this verse also, verse 13, leads to kind of a question. In fact, I got in an argument once with this, uh, with someone about this. Um, it's, it's this idea, does the Lord lead us into temptation? 
and I was, someone made a statement like, oh, I don't, I don't like how God leads us into temptation like this. And like, well, wait a second. James 1.13 says the Lord won't, doesn't lead us into temptation. And so I kind of insist, no, God doesn't do that. And we went back and forth a little bit. Well, it helps to actually turn to the Greek word and try to understand this. The Greek word translated temptation is parasmos. Okay? If you would look up that Greek word and how it's translated in other places in the Bible, it's most often translated testing or trial. And, and so what I sort of see this as saying is that we're going to face tests and trials in life. It's, it's going to happen. Jesus said, you will face trials. And, and in fact, James himself says, Rejoice when you face trials, parasmos, of many kinds, because it actually strengthens your faith. And what you're praying, Jesus is having us pray, is, Lord, give me the strength through these trials. Lead me, don't lead me to a test that I, I that will lead me away from you. And the difference, think, think about this. What's the difference between tempting someone and testing someone? If you tempt someone, you want them to do what? Fail. If you test someone, teachers, what do you want them to do? Succeed. Yeah. So God does not tempt us in that he wants us to fail. But God does test us, giving us opportunities to succeed. Continuing on. So after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus decides to emphasize one thing in verses 14 and 15. Does it surprise you what he chooses to emphasize? He goes back to that forgiveness thing. He says, if you don't forgive someone their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. Now, that sounds pretty hard. I don't think it's saying, well, you know, you're cut off. I think what it's saying is, is that if, if we're unforgiving towards other people, it's going to impede our experience of God. Um, it's going to get in the way between us and, and God's grace for ourselves. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So an unwillingness to forgive others, what, what often happens is, is that will keep coming back. And we, it, 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 will, it will get in the way for us moving forward in our relationship with God. It will impede. Um, so that's what Jesus chooses to emphasize here. Now, another place when Jesus, well, later in the same prayer, in, in the same sermon, uh, so this was Matthew 6 and Matthew 7, Jesus comes back to prayer. He spends a lot of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, talking about prayer. And so here he emphasizes that the Father is not looking for reasons to say no to his sons and daughters. In Matthew 7, that's where you get that famous ask and you will be given, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. And he gives a comparison. It's like if a, if a son comes to his father who's hungry and says, Father, can I, I'm hungry, can I have something to eat, can I have a fish? A good father is not going to give his son a snake. You know, and that's, that's a normal father. And Jesus says, if you, you fathers who are, you know, evil or just normal 
broken people, we have our own issues. If you would do that to your son, how much more would your Father in heaven, who's good and always, give his children, his sons and daughters, what they really need? And it's, this, it's the logic that Jesus is doing. It's the logic of how much more. You know, if we as human beings will do this, how much more will your Father in heaven give to his sons and daughters? So God's not looking for reasons to say no. That's why Jesus says, ask, seek. He's not looking to shut out his, his people. Um, and then in that same section, though, verse 8. It says, this is Matthew 7 again. Um, it says, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be open. Is that a guarantee that if you, you know, you'll get what you ask for in prayer? And then if you go to Matthew 21, 22, it sounds very similar. It says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Um, the ESV version is just a little different. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So these kind of sound like, well, if you believe enough. So what you need to do is you need to convince yourself. Believe. And, and that means you will get it. Um, in John 15, 7, there's another one. It says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So does that mean if it doesn't happen, then, then you didn't have enough faith? Or there's sin in your life that you're not abiding in Christ? That, you know, if, if you pray and you don't get it, and does that mean God doesn't really love you, or you somehow fallen short? That, that whether you get your answer to prayer is dependent on you. The logic of this idea that if you take this and say it's a guarantee that God will give us whatever we ask for, it leads to what I would call name it and claim it thinking. And there's movements that I've seen that that's the way you should pray. If you want something, you just name it, and then you claim it in Jesus' name. Because whatever you pray for, you're going to get. Um you just, just got to make sure you summon up the belief and force yourself to believe inside. I kind of got drawn into that way of thinking at one point. In fact, it was about the start of my ministry. And it makes sense. You know, you want to take God's word. And, and that, so um, my senior year of college, I was deciding to, to, instead of going to grad school, I was going to go into ministry and work for Young Life. And I was excited. Um, I, I had a group of kids I was working with at a certain high school. And I decided as I'm finishing my senior year and going to staff, I wanted to take 30 kids to camp. And so I prayed it. I named it. You know, prayed boldly, prayed in faith. And, um, and, I, and, I, and I followed through. I asked kids, invited them, did, did all the things you do that you try to convince kids to go to camp. And, and for, for whatever reason, it wasn't, wasn't happening. Uh, I, think I think there was there were some sports camps that got in the way, and um, different things that just this year it wasn't going to work. work. But I kept telling my area director, oh, who would be my boss once I went on staff, yeah, I'm going to take 30. I believe it. 
right? right? I was, I was not, not, I was I was not, not allowed, allowed, I was not allowed doubt, doubt to enter, enter my, my mind on this. On this. And so, so he held on to the spots and financially committed to them. You, had a, you, you have, have a point where you could drop some. some. And, but, but, well, Mid-City's bringing, bringing 30, I'm going to believe him. Um, three, three kids went. went. The area lost a ton of money. And my, my boss, uh, Jim, had, had to sit me down and give me a hard, hard talk about how things, things work for camp and about, about numbers and about, about money and all this. And, and he, he says, well, we're, we're, you, you're, you're not, not going, going to camp this year. year. We'll, we'll just take, take your three kids and add them to another group. And so... I think, I think God, God wanted, wanted to set, set, set me straight, straight on something. When it, when it comes, comes to prayer, God is sovereign, not, not me. You, you cannot use prayer to manipulate God into giving you what you want. Prayer is about aligning ourselves with what God wants to do. Prayer is allowing God to, to lead us and direct us. And it's, it's not, not about summing a feeling deep inside. It is about seeking him and, and seeing where he wants to go. Um, Jesus had another time of prayer at the end of Matthew. And it was in, um, called on the Mount of Olives, and it was his final night. And he had a prayer you may be familiar with. He prayed, Lord, could you take this cup? From, from my hands. hands. And the, the cup, cup reference was uh, referring to his, his death, death on the cross. That was going to be the cup of bitterness that he would drink. And, and in the end, Jesus finished by saying, but not my will, but thy will be done. Right? God, you're in charge. I want you to take this away from me. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to experience all of this. But it's not my will. Your will be done. And I think that teaches us um, that, that God knows best how to answer prayers. So sometimes we just trust him. And so I want to reconcile kind of what Jesus taught with, yes, believe you have received it and will be yours with, with that. And, and I think Luke 18 gives a parable. It's called the parable of the persistent widow. And I think that actually helps me get a sense of, could you move it forward a couple slides? So Jesus told this parable about a widow who who wants justice for something. She, she's and But the judge doesn't care about her. And so she keeps going to the judge asking for him to do what is right, to give her justice against someone who did her wrong. And he's, he's like, like, why, why, should, I, I, why, why should, should I listen to this widow? widow? She, she has no power. power. But eventually, she keeps praying, or keeps, or keeps going, going to the judge, and eventually says, she's, she's going to wear me out. I might as well just give her what she asked for. And so, and so in the end, she gets what she asked for from the judge. And Jesus says, this is a parable that they should always pray and, and not, not give up. up. And, and it's, it's the how much more language. language. If, if, if she, by, by persisting in prayer, or persisting in going to the judge, to get what she, she wants, how much more can we expect the God who is the, 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 the judge who's fully just, just in everything he does, how much more will we know he give, give us what is good and right? And, and so, so the idea is this. 
is, is when, when you pray and, and you don't get what you, you ask for, for, don't lose faith in your Father. When, when you pray and, and it doesn't, doesn't work out how, how you hoped, he's, don't, don't think, think he's, he's against, against you. you. Don't, don't think, think he's cast you out. out. Don't, don't think, think you failed in some way. way. Keep, Keep coming. Keep, Keep talking, talking to your Father. He'll, He'll help you work through it. Don't, don't stop believing as, as our friends, friends from, from Journey would say, right? Keep, keep, keep going. God, God is sovereign, and he knows best how to respond to our prayer. Closing, I want to say, I do, I do think, think there is one way, way and since it's one guaranteed aspect of that. And, and going, going back, back to verse 6, back at the beginning of our passage, Jesus says, when you pray, go in your room, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. What's, What's the, the reward? reward? Is, is it an answer? answer? Well, well, sometimes, sometimes but that's, that's up, up to him. him. You know. Is, is it, it eternal, eternal life? life? No. no. We don't, we don't receive, receive eternal life as a reward. reward. That's, that's a, a gift. gift. Right. So, so what, what might, might that, that reward, reward be? And, 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 and here's where I've experienced, experienced this answer. answer. And Jesus said in John 14, 27, I have come that, that you, you might, might have, have well, um, mixing my verse. But, but um, he says, I came that, that you might have, have peace. And my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So don't let, let your hearts, hearts be troubled and, and do not be afraid. I think, I think there's, there's a peace experience that, that when we're anxious and we don't know what's going on in our life, we can bring that to our Lord. And even, even when, when we, we don't, don't get, get exactly, exactly what we pray for, for there, there is a reward. He will set our hearts at peace. We will, we will grow, grow in him. We will learn from him. He also even talks about joy. My joy I give to you. So I'm convinced, despite how much of a challenge it is, prayer is worth it. And it's worth learning how to do it. My prayer life has evolved over the years. And I still, I still don't, don't always know if I have, I have it down. down. But I love getting to know God better through it. So I just, I just throw out to you. What would you have the Lord teach you about prayer? Where's your, your prayer life right now? Like, is it something you regularly do or is it something you're not sure about? What, what, what do you need the Lord to teach you in regards to prayer? And then, then do you have a desire for is there, is there something, something in your heart that says, yeah, I, I need, I want a deeper and more consistent prayer life? Then ask. Ask, ask God, God to lead you to that. In fact, In fact let, let me pray, pray close by asking, asking that now. Father, I pray that for each of us, we would learn to pray. And we would develop a closer walk with you as we, as we learn these these principles of prayer, and it's just we learn to, to set, set aside the things that get in the way and come to you and love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So show us how, Lord, and, and bring us into contact with people who can help us where, where, where we need that help. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.